Fort Street Presbyterian Church. It is so good to be with you all here this morning. Uh, it's snowing, which is great because it's supposed to snow in November. Um, it was so warm. Sarah and our new home. And we, uh, we got the last of the good weather, I think. It was like 60 degrees, sunny, and just beautiful. And so we're in the new home. The home is a mess, but we are in, and we didn't have to move in the snow, which is amazing. So, yeah, it's good. And um, The Lord God is our shepherd. We are the people of God's pasture, the sheep of God's hand. God will seek the lost, feed the hungry, and strengthen the weak. But the proud and power-hungry will be fed with justice. We gather today to worship the Shepherd King.
Please pray with me. Sovereign God, we confess that we are not ready for your holy realm. You guide us toward right paths, but we refuse to follow where you lead. You love and feed and care for us, but we fail to love and serve others. Forgive us, merciful God, so that we may return to your fold and rejoice in your presence through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In this time of silence, hear the confessions of our hearts. Friends, however long we wander, however far we stray, we are not far away from the steadfast love of God. Know that in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. Well, I wonder how many of you know what a parable is. Now, a parable is a story. And in the Bible, a parable is usually a story that is told by Jesus. Now, if you've ever gone to Sunday school here, you've probably seen one of these. This is what we call a parable box. And inside are some materials that help us tell one of the stories that Jesus told in the Bible, tell one of these parables. And we're not going to get everything out of this box today. I just wanted to talk about the box a little bit, because we'll be hearing a parable in just a moment from Pastor Garrett. So just take a look at this box and think for a minute about what you notice. Sounds like there's something inside. The first thing I notice is that it has a lid. It's closed. And you know, sometimes parables can be hard to open. Sometimes they won't open for us right away, and so we have to come back to them again and again and again. The other thing I notice is that it's bright gold. Can you see that color? And gold things are precious. We know that the parables that Jesus told were precious, like gold. And the last thing I notice is that it kind of looks like a present, doesn't it? Like something you might get on your birthday or on Christmas. And parables are very much like that too. 
They're presents that were given to you long before you were even born. Now here's one of my favorite things about parables. Even when you can get it to open, it can be a mystery what's inside. I wonder what this is and what it might really be. It's always good to check the other side with parables. Parables always have another side. Well, I want you to keep remembering this when Pastor Garrett reads a parable in just a moment because parables can have many sides and can show us lots of things about God. Let's pray. God, thank you for parables. Thank you for the presents that are precious like gold, even when they're hard to get into and we're not sure which side to look at. Lord, teach us through the parable today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Before we get into our scripture reading, I want to share a brief stewardship story. As many of you know, we're uh, doing our annual stewardship campaign, and um, we're asking people to give time, talent, and resources. And uh, this week, I was hanging out at Open Door, and I started talking to one of our friends of Open Door, and um, he's a guy that's been coming to receive food and assistance for a number of years. And he heard or saw in one of our bulletins that we're doing our stewardship campaign. He said, you know, Pastor, I want to let you know that I try to give $10 a month or, you know, whatever I can gather. But one of our friends loves what we do here so much that when he comes, he tries to give 10 sometimes it's $3, whatever it is. But he drops it off, he gets a money order, and he'll stick it in Allison's office. I just love that story because he loves what we do here, and he loves this community, and he loves that we have helped him through difficult times. And even though he has very little to give, he still comes and he gives. And I just thought that that was such a great and beautiful story. Our text for today comes to us from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Listen now for the word of the Lord. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents, but the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And as for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, we come to you again and we put ourselves before your word. God, we ask that today you would use your word to form us into the likeness of your son, our king. In Jesus' name, amen. At the end of last year, a group of my friends and our families got together for Thanksgiving. And after our Thanksgiving meal, a few of us went outside and we started talking to one another and saying how much we wanted to make changes in our life. How much we didn't like the way our lives were going. A lot of us, you know, we didn't weigh as much as we wanted to weigh. We had not been eating as healthy as we wanted to. And, you know, we, we had it maybe been drinking a little more alcohol than we wanted to on occasion, not that it had gotten out of hand at all, but, you know, a few drinks a night will really put you in an unhealthy spot. And we had realized that since college, we had formed a lot of these habits that we didn't like. And we kind of asked ourselves, we said, you know, gosh, if we keep doing what we're doing, if we keep eating the way we're eating and not exercising and have a few drinks a night, Gosh, where are we going to be in 10 years? Where are we going to be in 20 years? Where are we going to be if we continue down this road? And so we decided to sort of make a resolution. And we resolved that we were going to try to eat healthier. We were going to exercise. We were going to take care of ourselves in a better way. And and we said, we're going to try to drink less this year as well. And we were going to keep in contact and keep one another accountable. We had decided that it was time to bury the old way of doing things. It was time to look ahead and to think, I want to be healthy for my family. I want to be able to play with my children. I don't want the habits that I formed to ruin my life. I don't want to wake up in 10 years and regret what I wish I would have done 10 years prior. And so we made a choice. And we started this journey. It's quite a year to decide to do something like that. <laughs> it's, it's been a tough journey, but we're still on it. Many of you may have had moments like this in your life. In the church, we call them epiphanies, right? These sudden moments of insight where we realize like, oh, I, something's got to change. I don't like the way that I'm going. We, we say to ourselves, I really want to change this, or I really wish I would do that. I wish I would read more. I wish that I would call this person more. I wish that I would exercise more. I wish whatever it is for you. We often have moments of insight where we realize it's time to put away the old way of doing things. 
It's time to bury some of those old habits. It's time to put some things in the ground, cover them with dirt, and walk away. We've all had some of these moments. Sometimes they're bigger, sometimes they're smaller, but we've all experienced that. I was reading an article this week that caused me to repent, literally change directions. There was an article about this parable that we just read, the parable of the talents, and it was written by a woman named Debbie Thomas. I would really encourage you, anything she's written is worth your time to read. Debbie Thomas, and I can send you links if you want information about her, I'll send you everything. But Debbie Thomas wrote about this article, and she pointed something out right away that caught my attention and made me think, maybe we've been wrong about this parable all along. She said, I have a problem with this parable because the image of God that that Jesus paints is the image of a slave owner, the image of someone who is a master over human beings, the image of someone who exploits the labor of those around him. And we've often read the parable this way in the church, haven't we? That God is the master and we are the slaves. And the way that we have interpreted this parable in the past is this. Don't waste the chances that God has given you. Don't waste your time, your talent, and your resources. Invest that. Try to double it. This is what God wants. Sort of harkens back to that call in Genesis that we are to go forth into the earth and be fruitful and to multiply. But maybe we've been reading that wrong all along. The master in this parable is a wicked man, and we know this because the character that I'm going to call the unruly slave, the slave that's thrown into outer darkness, he says at the end, he says, I know that you were a wicked man, reaping where you did not sow, taking and keeping what you did not earn. I know the reputation that you have. I know that you're harsh and you're wicked. This is what the unruly slave says to the master. And so we know that there's a kind of reputation for him outside of him just owning slaves and exploiting their labor. And he invites his slaves to join him in his wicked behavior by handing them these talents. Now you might be asking, what is a talent actually? And this is, this is a really, really good question to ask. What is a talent? Well, in this article by Debbie Thomas, she says that a talent was actually this 80-pound hunk of precious metal. It wasn't like a pile of coins. It wasn't a wad of cash. It was one chunk of metal. And it was typically something that was acquired by the super elite, the wealthiest of the wealthy. And they would gain this money by doing a few different things, but the main practice was they would lend money to poor farmers that were struggling to try to tide them over so that they could, you know, maybe settle things at their their farm, but oftentimes they would lend at such an exorbitant rate of interest that they knew that they were going to disenfranchise these farmers. And the end game was, let's lend at such a rate that eventually they will have to turn over their farm as collateral for what they cannot pay. 
And so then they would seize control of the land, and then they would rent that land out and profit off of it, and in turn, you know, put out of work those farmers. And over time, if you did this enough, you would get so much money that they would have so many coins from collecting money off of the interest or from um, renting out their land that it was easier just to melt down all the coins into one giant hunk of metal that was between 100 or, you know, 100 and 130 pounds, 80 pounds to 130, I think Debbie Thomas says. And so these talents were often acquired by unjust means. They were acquired at the expense of humans that often afterward when they lost their farms, they didn't know how they were going to eat. And so the master hands five talents to the first slave, and the slave comes back and says, Master, look what I've offered you. I have five more. And Debbie Thomas says we can assume that actually that slave kept a little bit extra on the side because... They had done so well to double the master's money. He's not going to miss maybe a little bit of silver or gold. And the master says to him, well done, good and faithful slave. Well done. It happens again with the second slave. It's the same formula except this slave has only given two and doubles the money and likely kept a little bit on the side for himself as well. And then we come to the unruly slave. And the unruly slave arrives with this one talent, and it's not as shiny as it was when it was handed to him. Because he put it in the ground and he buried it. And he says to his master, he says, Master, I knew you were a harsh and wicked man. I knew you kept what you did not earn. I knew you exploited people. I knew you gained your wealth by unjust means. And I decided that we needed to bury that. I decided that your way of doing things in the world is not the way that we can continue doing things in this world. And so I decided to put it in the ground where it could not grow, where it could not produce any of its evil fruits, where we could just put it and bury it and walk away. But the slave still has a moral conscience and says, here, you have what is yours. This unruly slave decided that it was time to change things in the world. Decided that it was time to take out of circulation all of this dirty money, no matter what it cost him. And it cost him his life. He's taken and he's thrown into outer darkness. And often we've read this parable and we've said, you don't want to be like that one, right? You don't want to be like that person who was unfaithful with the gift that they have been given. But actually, Debbie Thomas turns this on its head and says, no, no, no. This was an act of justice. This was an act of protest. This was a way to bury the old way of doing things and to begin to heal the world. This was an act of courage. And it's a lot like Jesus, our King, Jesus stands up to the temple of the day and says, I'm not going to play your religious games anymore because they're corrupt and they're wrong and it has to end. We are burying the old way of doing things and for that he pays the ultimate price. 
He's cast into outer darkness. He's put on a cross. Maybe we've been reading that parable wrong all along. You might have things in your life that you need to bury. You might have things that you need to put in the ground. I mean, we all do. In this world, we've got some things that we need to bury. The way we're living right now is putting the world on course for drastic changes in our climate that will have severe effects on all of us. We've got to make a change. In many ways, we've got to bury the old way of doing things. We've seen recently the racial tensions in this country, the political tensions in this country, and we all know that we have got to bury the old way of doing things. We've got to put that in the ground and walk away into something new because it's not working and it's not going to work. We know that if we keep living the way that we're living now, for the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 30 years, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. We've got to make a change. We've got to bury things and put them in the ground. Even personally, we all have things that maybe we need to bury and put in the ground. And oftentimes we're afraid of doing this because we don't want to experience the pain of burying those things. We don't want to stand up to the consequences. We don't want to go through the hard things. We're comfortable. We like how we do it. We've always done it this way. We've always been living in these same ways, and we don't want to give that up. But at some point, we have to. We have to put it away. You have to do that in your own lives. We're asking a lot of big questions as a church. We're asking questions about how do we promote congregational vitality? And that is a huge, huge question because many of you have seen how empty these pews are over the years and they're only getting emptier. And that kind of gives us some anxiety. And so we ask the question, well, what do we do to, to fill these up? How do we get young people in here? How do we encourage people to make use of the church because it's, it's here and it's a gift to the community and we want it to continue to be a gift to the community, but we don't know how, and so we're asking this big question. We've seen these racial tensions in our country, and some of us have experienced it firsthand, and we want to end it. We want to say no more structural racism, no more individual racism. We don't want people to experience racism in this country. And so we're asking the question, how can we as a church figure this out? What can we do to end that? We want to eradicate systemic poverty, and in many ways this church has been working to do that through Open Door since the 1960s, is that right? 1970s? We're asking these really, really big questions. And the questions often are pointed toward a world that needs to change, but I think sometimes we also have to go back into ourselves and we have to ask ourselves, not just as individuals, but as a church, 
What do we need to change? What do we need to bury and walk away from? What do we need to take out of circulation so that it can't keep going on and distracting us from our goal? What are those things that we have to put away? For many of us who have been in the church long enough, we've experienced hurt, we've experienced pain, we've been a part of committees that fought and were divisive, we have by people in this church. I think we've got to put some of that away. I think we've got to bury the old hurts and pains. We've got to reconcile. For some of us, we might be ashamed of some things in our own personal life, and it's time to bury those things too. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what God is calling you to bury or put away. But we have to have the courage that Jesus had, that this unruly slave had, where we're willing to put away the things that are standing between us and the healing of the world. We have to be willing to bury those things even when it's difficult, even when it requires more change than maybe we're comfortable with. It's time to put away the old things and move into something new. So my question for us this week is, what do you need to bury? What do you need to put away? What are those things that if you keep doing them, if we keep doing them as a church in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years, where are they going to leave us? What do we need to bury? What do we need to put away? Let's pray. God, thank you for fresh exegesis. Thank you for women like Debbie Thomas who are willing to take the parable and turn it on its head and give us fresh insights. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to bury what we need to bury. That we would acknowledge as good stewards of what you have given us that sometimes it's not about the time, talent, and resources we can give, but God, it's sometimes about what we have to put away, what needs to go in the ground. And so God, help us answer those questions and be with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let us pray. Holy God, the words, Jesus is King, come easily to our lips, yet we often fail to grasp the significance of what they mean for us. Allow the mystery of this kingship to illuminate our lives, the servant king who was rejected, the savior who appeared defeated, the leader who resisted accumulation as a means of power. Lord, this is a strange season. As we approach Thanksgiving, many of us feel a sense of what is different or what is lost this year. Even in the midst of that, remind us of all that we have to give thanks for. Breath, warmth, food, love, hope, opportunity. God, we approach your throne knowing that you will listen to our prayers. We pray today for the world and our nation. We pray for the universal church as it works to reflect your love on earth. We pray for this particular body of Christ and its ministry, for Open Door and the friends we serve there, for the chorale singers facing a very different year, for the children in our midst, for members who are isolated in the midst of this pandemic. Lord, in this moment of silence, we lift up those with particular needs from our own circles. Show us in Christ's death the victory that crowns the ages, and in his broken body the love that unites heaven and earth. We pray in his name and pray together the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
It's Nancy Jackson here. I'm standing in the greenhouse attached to our home because we get some of our food from here. Recently, we picked a pineapple and ate it. It was so delicious. Um, and so that brings me to the reason I'm talking to you this morning. As far back as many of us can remember, Fort Streeters have been feeding people, especially at Thanksgiving. In recent years, the deacons have gotten the whole congregation involved in this collection of food and packing of bags for families at nearby elementary schools. But in 2020, this labor of love is going to have to be modified to match the safety precautions that we all want to take. We decided to support both the families and their neighborhoods this year by purchasing gift cards from two local Mexican town markets. Gift cards purchased at E&L Supermercado will be given to the community liaison at Mayberry Elementary School, and gift cards from the Prince Valley Market will go to Harms Elementary School. We have had long-standing relationships with both schools and know there are many needy families at each school. We invite you to support this special mission of the Deacons or any of our other programs. And I wanted to add that I got a call from E&L Supermercado today, and uh, the person that I spoke to said that the owner of the store would like to match our donation. So instead of getting $1,000 worth of gift cards to take to the school, I'll be taking them $2,000 worth of gift cards. And I think that's just wonderful. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Well, thank you so much to Nancy for that update from the deacons. And what great news that we are still able to feed people as Fort Streeters. That was one of the first things Garrett and I heard when we began interviewing with the committee is that this is a group that likes to eat and likes to serve, <laughs> and you will be well fed here. We've already found that even in the midst of pandemic, so that's great news. Just a couple other announcements to share with you today. The first, as you have heard by now through email or Facebook or other ways, we are halting our in-person services here at Fort Street moving forward in light of the new restrictions of um, COVID cases coming from the governor. So we want to be especially mindful and careful, especially in this season of holidays and um, potential people intermingling, and we want to be sure that we all stay healthy and safe so we are going to be moving back to a virtual-only worship model. We're going to be learning our new camera equipment and making that as exceptional as possible over the next several weeks. And we look forward to continuing to worship with you in that way. Know that we are still here to be your church and that we invite you to reach out to us on phone or email or through Facebook and that we are still here and committed to being a church family, even though we're watching from different places. And unfortunately, part of that also means that our Christmas on Fort event had to be canceled. We were going to have an event outdoor sort of festival on the street, but again, trying to limit numbers and gatherings, we will not be doing that, but we've got some great ideas lined up for next year. Yeah, thank you. We are still looking for volunteers, though, uh, even though we're not going to be meeting. So we need uh, open-door volunteers, and Trisha's been doing a lot of great things. One of the things she's done is pivoted rather quickly um, as Pope Francis Center has come down and taken over uh, the TCF Center. Is that what it is? Cobo Hall? I've heard it called. 
So they're over there. They've moved their operations, and they're able to serve in so many different ways. So they offer food, I believe, uh, Tuesday through Saturday, and they offer clinics. They have all sorts of things. And so Trish has said that we're going to continue serving on Thursdays, and we do need volunteers to help with that, just people to float, people to help us serve, to hand out uh, meals, coffee, whatever it is. But also she has pivoted because there aren't meals served by Pope Francis on Monday. She is going to offer a time of soup and bread and sharing on Mondays from 11 to 2. And so we do need volunteers for that as well. So if you feel comfortable, if you want to get out of your house, uh, we are following all of our precautions and protocols here. But if you want to come down and serve, we could, we could use you. And uh, as Sarah said, we love feeding people, so you'll get a meal out of it as well. We're also looking for tech volunteers. One of the things that uh, Amy has been doing is encouraging people, if you're watching at home on Facebook, to uh, interact in the comments with one another, to talk to one another, share questions about the sermon or the liturgy, whatever it is, but just to get more and more people noticing what we're doing here at Fort Street. And so we're looking for volunteers that might be able to facilitate that. Uh, And it's a pretty easy process. If you're already active, I know some of you are because I see what you put on Facebook. Uh, Talk to Amy because she can help you kind of channel some of that Facebook energy to help out our church and to promote what we're doing here. If you have any questions about that, you can reach out to me or to her and we can get you more info. We are nearing the end of our stewardship campaign and though we will be worshiping at a distance at home, we do invite you to still fill out those pledge cards and to mail them back here to the church by December 6th. We have two weeks left of that. Also know that you can give online at fortstreet.org give. So Advent begins next week. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's, I cannot believe it's already Advent, and soon it will be 2021. Uh, because we're not able to meet and do Advent in the way that we are normally going to do it, we're trying to pivot and find some new ways to do it. So we've got this great uh, at-home liturgy that was written by a friend of mine. Her name is Teresa Cho. She is a minister in San Francisco, and she put together this Advent at-home liturgy for churches to use together. Now, it's got a series of four devotions that would be used um, by families at home, and she sent this out with some candles. And I think what we're going to do is kind of offer the same thing that she's doing. So if you're interested in receiving this, be on the lookout for communications because we will um, hand a few of these out. And we're also looking for three families to help us record uh, themselves going through the liturgy. So it's got, and they're very, very brief, but they've got written prayers and some Bible passages and instructions for how to light the candle. So what you would normally see and will see on Sunday mornings here uh, is the lighting of the candle, the reading of a scripture, and a short prayer. Well, we want to offer you that uh, at home as well. And so we're looking for three families to join us. Sarah and I are going to do the first one, uh, possibly with a baby in tow, we will see. Um, but we, we're looking for three other families. So if you're interested in joining us in that, uh, please just shoot us an email and, and we'll uh, set you up and help you figure that out. Another thing we're doing for Advent is we're starting a new adult ed um, curriculum, I guess we call it, and it's The Names of the Messiah, mm-hmm. right, by Walter Brueggemann. And so we're going to be going through that beginning next week, lasting all the way through Advent. And that's Names of the Messiah by Walter Brueggemann. It should be pretty fun, I think, especially as we 
continue to talk about these big Matthew 25 topics. Is there anything I missed on Advent? Just that adult ed will be over Zoom from Mm -hmm. 945 to 1045. Yes. And that we um, will also be sending out some Advent materials for children, and so you can watch for some things like that coming your way in email soon. Awesome. A last announcement from us is that we will have virtual coffee hour today immediately following the service. So on our Fort Street Zoom link, be sure to connect with us there if you'd like to say hello to folks. And now we would like to invite up Kevin Pearson for a moment of stewardship. Good morning. Uh, I'm here to talk about uh, stewardship. Uh, this being the time for giving, you know, Thanksgiving is this Thursday. And um, when I was called a couple of weeks ago and asked to um, um, participate in um, stewardship, being the uh, Minute for Mission, I was uh, dumbfounded because I was, uh, well, why would they ask me? You know, I, I rarely uh, give... Um, anything towards uh, the stewardship, you know, um, not anything, you know, a a big mass amount. Um, But my family uh, has been members of this church for over 65 years. And I look back that over the years I've uh, uh, contributed in in other means, you know, there's more to stewardship than just the uh, um, donations, you know, uh, just to be a part of something, you know, uh, the, the, the fellowship part, you know, uh, being a deacon, a uh, session member. Uh, I can remember uh, being a dishwasher out at uh, uh, the, the Clear Lake Camp back in the uh, early 70s late 60s, you know, uh, my, my family, my brother was a lifeguard out there. Um, you know, um, just many, many uh, different integral parts that, that uh, help with stewardship. Now, mind you, uh, about a month ago, you know, I've, I've been uh, ill for most of this year already. Um, uh, so I was already in the pandemic. <laughs> when uh, COVID hit and they started doing all the quarantining and everything. And um, um, my wife, she asked me, you know, because I really didn't have a whole lot of contact with anybody else because of the COVID, you know, I wasn't able to have visitors and things of that nature. But uh, my wife, she had asked me about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, and I'm, I'm still dumbfounded. She asked me, so, what are we gonna contribute to the to the church this year? And I'm like, what? You know, um, where where did that come from? And I told, her, I said, well, at this point, you know, uh, my financial uh, situation isn't what it what it uh, could be, you know, or usually is. And I know we we have a lot of uh, other bills that we needed to catch up on. And I was telling her that that we'll have to wait and. Uh, 
at that time in December, um, we'll put together our monies and we'll see what we can do. But then as, as uh, the person called me a couple of weeks ago to, um, to uh, give this presentation, they explained to me more in detail what stewardship really is. You know, um, being there for others and the fellowship and helping others, uh, which is what you just heard a lot of from Nancy and from uh, Reverend Garrett. Um, and it's really important, you know, uh, it, it helps the, the church to, to maintain a structure and to, to keep things going, you know. Uh, I can remember when, when I first got introduced back to the church um, back in the early 90s where I started coming, coming back to church, uh, I used to, to go down to Open Door. You know, at the time I was homeless and, and um, uh, didn't have any um, uh, destination in life, you know, didn't know what I was going to do. And um, the reverend at that time, Reverend Crilly, um, he said, well, why don't you come down and, and work for Open Door? You know, and I did that for, oh, probably about a year. And I was able to meet, uh, uh, well, I already knew them, but uh, my relationship with Mr. Jackson and Mr. Sales and um, Mr. Morgan and some of the other people, the outside volunteers, they used to come down um, and they helped me in understanding that how you should be giving of yourself, you know, and um, more so throughout the year, not just because it's Thanksgiving or Christmas time, but you find you get more out of life when, when, when you do these things for the entire year. You know, and the, and the blessings, um, it's not really all that important because as long as you're on this earth and you're doing the right things, things are gonna happen to you, be it good or bad, <laughs> you know, and um, I, I learned that. Uh, so, you know, but I'd rather be on the good side than, than on the bad side, you know, so. So uh, they have a lot of different programs. Right now with the pandemic going on, it's, it's, it's put a lot of things on hold right now. But I'm looking forward to um, uh, 2021. You know, 2020 was a good year. I, I learned a lot of things about uh, being there for others, not just myself, you know, through getting calls from people who I didn't think that really cared, but, um, most people are very caring, you know, be it church members or just family members or, you know, and um, I learned a lot, you know, and um, with stewardship, it's not important as far as the monetary part of the giving, but also to be there, you know, and help others, you know, because there's more ways than just financially, you know. So, um, if you, ha uh, we have a cliche that, that uh, I say a lot, uh, if you have it, give it. If not, you're more important than your money. So, come on around anyway, because we need you. And I want to say thank you at this time. <laughs>
Thank you for that, Kevin. Friends, as you go, may you have the courage to ask the question, what do I need to bury? What do I need to put in the ground and walk away from? And may you know that as you ask that question, that God is looking down on you and smiling upon you. May you know that you are loved and that your life truly matters. Amen.